0: I'm sure it wasn't hard. I'm sure it wasn't easy, rather, being a prophet. Hosea, in fact, is intriguing. He's, he's kind of unique, kind of different among the prophets. Hosea's sort of different in that uh, in this book, God confronts his people. Well, you say that's not so unusual. God confronts his people in, in, in most of the prophets. But in this book, he, he confronts his people pretty in a, in a, in a, in a very personal way. He, he confronts their un, un, unfaithfulness. He talks about trouble. He talks about judgment. But, but God confronts his people. His, Hosea's message is, is, is very personal to God. But Hosea's message is unique among the prophets in that Hosea's message is very personal, even painful to Hosea instead. Hosea is told to do something hard. Hosea is told to do something that he's not really going to want to do. It's something you would not want to do, although it might be something. It probably is something at one level or another that you have been told to do by God as well. So Hosea is a good example of what it's like to get into God's personal message. Hosea's own story is part of his prophecy. Hosea's own personal story parallels his message to us. I wanted to do this as a first person, a a complete get into the character again and and come to you this morning as Hosea. And yet the story was too hard for me, actually. What's there? I, I do want to tell part of this from Hosea's perspective. In fact, most of it, I want to tell it from Hosea's perspective. But to actually try to come to you as Hosea, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I'd do it justice. It's a painful story. It's a hurtful story. It's a, it's a story where, where Hosea's own experience of love and of marriage, the, the promise of faithfulness is smashed upon the rocks of infidelity. Not just once, but repeatedly. Can there be any way to put that wreckage back together again? Is there any duct tape that we could wrap around Hosea's heart that would somehow hold him together, could somehow bring this marriage back together again? And yet it's not just a story about Hosea and his marriage. It's a story about God and his people. It's a story about God's people, not only in Israel, but a story about God's people right here at brush prairie baptist would you pray with me father would you help me in this message lord this is your word to your people lord i don't ask you to make a hard message easy lord let it be a message that's hard to hear even if it's somewhat a message that's hard to share. Father, make it even more a message that is hard for us to forget. Lord, more than anything, we need to know your heart. And to know your heart, we also need to know something about your hurt, something about your loss, and in the face of that, still, something more about your mercy. Father, we need to know your mercy and that for ourselves because this world around us needs your mercy and they need to see it in us. So, Father, take your word, take your message, the life of this prophet, and pour it into our lives this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, God's complaint against his people, as I mentioned, is is told partly in Hosea's own personal story. So I want to start there. I do want to, I want to back in. I want to, I, want to, I want to tell that first person. I want to speak as if I was Hosea, even if I'm not. Let's imagine I'm Hosea. It's about 760 B.C., before the time of Christ. Uh, the uh, King Jeroboam is on the fro- throne. Isaiah, a very well-known prophet, hasn't come on the scene yet. I'm a young prophet, I'm a young man, I'm, I'm just out of prophet school, I got my prophet's diploma hanging on the wall there in my hut there, you know, I'm kind of excited, this is, this is sort of a cool thing, and, 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 and God speaks to me. Well, they told me that was going to happen in the prophet school, but God speaks to me. And you know what he says? God comes to me and he says, Hosea, I love you, and I have a plan for your life. Oh, you caught it too, didn't you? It's what God didn't say that bugged me a little. God didn't say, Hosea, I love you and have a wonderful plan for your life. He said, I got a plan, Hosea. Truth be told, that made me a little nervous. But then again, I'm young, I'm a little naive. And God says to me, Hosea, I want you to take a wife. In fact, not just any wife, I have picked just the one for you. I have somebody I want you to marry. And I say, yeah, right on. This thing is working out pretty good. You know, I get out of prophet school. Now God's got a wife for me. And God says, but Hosea, the wife that I want you to marry, she is not going to be faithful to you. In fact, she's going to be unfaithful. You will love her. You will be faithful to her, but she will not remain faithful to you. Not just once, but again, and again. Okay, God, you want me to marry a woman who's not going to be faithful to me? You want me to be faithful to one who's not going to be faithful? Aren't there any others, God? There are all these ladies in Israel. You know, I wanted to ask, you know the question. Well, you ask it too, don't you? why God why God why that kind of pain why that kind of hurt why that kind of disaster and God doesn't always tell us the answer does he he doesn't tell us the answer to our our question or maybe he gives us an answer which doesn't seem to make sense at least in the moment well God answered my question God God answered my question why He said, the reason why is it's not about Gomer. It's bigger than that. It's not about this woman named Gomer that I want you to marry, Hosea. It's bigger than that. It's because my people have been unfaithful. My people are guilty of spiritual adultery in departing from the Lord. I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, I understand that, God. I've kind of seen that around, but they told us what things were like in school, but... uh, why take it out on me? But I'm a prophet. God is God. I do what he says. I marry her anyway. And I'm a kind of an optimistic chap. I'm thinking, you know, well, maybe, you know, if I'm, if I'm the good husband, if I'm the model husband, you know, I went out and got some books how to be a good husband, how to have a great marriage. If you do these things, you will, okay, well, I'm going to do my best to do those things. And, you know, Things were pretty good at first. It wasn't long after we were married, in fact, that Gomer was expecting our first child. You know, the we, the, the child is born, he's a son, and, and there's God. You know, I'm a prophet, I hear from God a lot. It's kind of exciting. And and God says, I want you to name your son Jezreel. I like, okay, well, Jezreel, that's a real strange name for a... I guess maybe he's going to be a farmer because the name means... God plants because no, no that's not it's got nothing about farming the reason I want you to name him Jezreel is because I am going to judge my people I plant and I also uproot I am going to judge my people for their unfaithfulness I have in the past and just like I did it before I'm going to judge them and hold them accountable again so name your son Jezreel not only does God plant, it sounds like God has some weeding to do. So we name our son Jezreel. Now time goes by, and after a while, Gomer's pregnant again. Now I should tell you at this, at this point, things aren't as good as they had been at first. Things weren't going that well between us. There were, there were times when my wife, Gomer, she'd go off, out, out by herself she might not even come home at night. She'd be just gone unexplainably for a few days at a time. And then she'd come back again. Didn't really look me in the eye, but it was, it was strange. It was kind of like she wanted to be home again, and she wanted to just pretend like everything was just fine, like it, like it had been before, even though it wasn't. And yet she wouldn't quite look at me the same. In fact, it's hard to describe this, but she looked at me in kind of a dismissive way. And it wasn't long before she'd be gone again. And the way she'd go. I didn't want to think about where she was or who she was with. She would say, well, she had to go and quickly and visit her family and that kind of thing, but I I wasn't really sure about that. But here we have another child. The baby is born. It's a girl this time. We have a boy. We have a girl. And God says to her, name, God says to me, name this child, no mercy. Now, that's that's weird. That's weird, isn't it? Name your daughter, no mercy. Now, you might name her mercy. You might want to name her grace. All kinds of wonderful names, but no mercy? I mean, you might as well name her unloved. God, what is with that? But God is God i'm the prophet god says name her no mercy because god's been good on the wise so far with me on this he says name her no mercy because well he said it here i will no longer have mercy upon the house of israel that i should in any way forgive them wow my daughter is going to be a walking testimony that God's judgment is hanging over this people and is about to fall. That's a heavy load for a, for a little baby girl to bear, to, to bear, don't you think? But this is it. This is God's demonstration in our lives to his people. The baby was hardly wound, little no mercy, and Gomer's expecting again. Now this was very strange to me as her husband because I, I don't you know how to say this, but you know, we... We really hadn't been together much. She'd been away a lot. And even when she was at home, she wasn't close. And so our family certainly wasn't like it should be. And yet here again, she's pregnant. She's expecting. The real kick in the gut came when it was time to give her name. His name, this was a son. And God says, this son you will call, not my people. I didn't want to think about it. I suspected, but I didn't want to say it to myself. And yet God wants me to say it to everybody. Everybody. God wants me to take this child that has been born to my wife to name that child. He wants me to name this child not mine. Not my people. I guess that's a colorful way to say that our marriage is in shambles. Our marriage is in ruin. Beyond salvage. God, why would you do that to us? Name her, name him rather, not my people. For God says, you are not my people and I am not your God. Ah, oh. I don't know. It seemed like that was a harder kick in the gut even then for God to say that this child is not mine. God declares to me through this naming that we are not His. And perhaps I begin to... I can't really say it's a why, it's a because. I can't really say this is why God has done this, but with this hole that is ripped open in my heart, what that has allowed is there's an open space, a ragged, bleeding space, but there's an open space for something of the truth of God to seep in there. This was not just about my wife. It was about God's people. But it wasn't just about God's people. It was also about me. They had been unfaithful to God. We had been unfaithful to God. It was almost as if God and I were sitting together nursing the same wounds. That in the same way that my heart was so torn in my wife's unfaithfulness to me, that's how God felt on a much grander scale for His people's unfaithfulness to him for their turning to all of these other so-called gods for chasing after prosperity and the economy in our country had been booming and now it was in decline morality was in a nosedive I saw that in my own house and in the midst of this people were were scrambling after some sense of prosperity trying to hold on to the good times by serving anything that they thought could deliver it to them Neglecting the God who had given them this land and this place and this relationship with him in the first place, oh, God had a lot to say to us. He began to He began to speak his mind in chapter two of the prophecy that I wrote. I wrote it down. Prophets often write books. Have you bought a copy? Help a starving prophet, would you? God said, Rebuke your mother. Rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from her bosom. Otherwise, I will strip her bare. I will make her as bare as on the day she was born. I will make her like a desert. I will turn her into parched land and slay her with thirst. I will not show my love to her children, because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful. And she has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers. Who will give me my food and water, my wool, my linen, my oil, and my drink? Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers but not catch them. She will look for them but not find them. She will say, I'll go back to my husband as at first. Things will be Okay. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine, the oil, who lavished on her the silver and the gold, which she then had used for Baal, the false gods. Just like Gomer didn't realize that it was my work in the field that brought grain to our family, that it was the money that I earned that brought her, bought her that closet full of clothes that she would dress up so nicely in to go out on the town without me apparently trolling for men. That is my Gomer. That is my wife. That is God's people. That is our unfaithfulness. We took his blessings and used them in unfaithfulness to serve ourselves instead of him. So God says, therefore I will take my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her shame. I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take her out of my hands. I will stop all of her celebrations, her yearly feast, her new moons, her Sabbaths, all of her appointed parties. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she had said were the pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket. I will make them like scrub brush. I will I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the Baals, the false gods. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went out after her lovers, but me she forgot. Oh God was angry. You think? God was angry. He had every right to be. I could understand that. Look at my home. Unfaithfulness had poisoned our marriage, had shattered my heart. I was angry. I felt like calling God's wrath down on her. But God wasn't looking to me for what to do. God had plenty to say all on his own. The prophetic word that God would next speak was a startling word, but to me it was a scandalous word. How could God say that? Well, he did. He said, therefore... In view of what she's done, therefore, I am now going to allure her. I'm going to lead her into the desert. And there I'm going to speak tenderly to her. I will give her back her vineyards. I will make the valley of trouble a doorway of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth. in the day she came up out of Egypt, in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. I will remove the names of the balls from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. And that day I will make a covenant for them. The beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the creatures that move along the ground, bow and sword and battle, I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and in justice. In love and compassion, I will betroth you in faithfulness You will be my engaged, my promised one. And you will acknowledge the Lord. I will Jezreel. I will plant her again for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called. No mercy. I will say to those who were not my people that you are my people. And they will say, You are my God. In the face of my wife's shameful unfaithfulness, she left me. I let her go. But God has not let us go. Could we still receive God's mercy? Is there mercy left for a people who have been unfaithful to the true and living God, the one who owns it all? Is there any mercy left for us? Could there be? That shows what our God is like. That your love, O Lord, reaches to the heaven. Your faithfulness, O God, stretches to the sky. That's what our God is like. I could never love like that. I could never forgive like that. I could never extend myself in love again to one who has hurt me so. I could never reach out again to the one who has trampled my love underfoot. But you know, they say you should never say never to God. You should never tell God what it is that you could never do. Because that's where he's going to push you, isn't it? That's where he's going to press you. That's where he's going to lead you right into you're never. God, it a way of leading us right into the very things that we would say I could never do. God had shown me the depths of his love and his faithfulness. But it was more than about Israel. It was about me. It was more, about, it was more than about his people generally and his attitude toward them. It was about his attitude toward me. And out of that, his attitude in me. God had shown me new depths of his love and his faithfulness, that God's love is greater than all our sins. God's love is for the unlovable. God's love is even for my Gomer. Just as I was getting it, God spoke to me again. Chapter 3 in my book. God says to to me, Go and show your love to your wife again, though she has been loved by another and is and is unfaithful. Love her as the Lord loves Israel, for they turn to other gods and love the prosperity that they think these other gods can bring them. God, this is different wait a minute, God, you, you, you tell me that I should love as you love, that I should forgive as you forgive. But, Lord, I'm not God. I don't have that kind of mercy. I don't have that kind of love. I don't have that in me. I can't do it. God, I don't have to. She has betrayed me. She has gone, and I have let her go. I have written her off. I don't have to do this. And God says, well, maybe, but he seemed to whisper into my heart, but you can. You can. Just as I have loved my people, so you can. It wasn't a matter of. Have to. It wasn't a matter anymore of just the obedience of the prophet. Now it was a matter of something that out of God's love I could do. God made me a prophet. A prophet named Hosea. A prophet named Hosea, whose name means salvation. I didn't know. I thought I was going to tell of God's salvation, but God had a different plan. God had determined that I would show His salvation. I would show His forgiveness. I would live in His mercy. God has walked with me into a place where I could speak of His love, not only with my words, but in my life. And so, I asked around, I figured the kind of place I would probably find her, and sure enough. I went there, and I paid a price. She She had sold herself into slavery by this time. And so I went, and I paid a price to redeem her again. It wasn't much. It was discounted, in fact. A few silver coins, a couple bags of barley, and I took her for myself again. And I took her out of the city, off to a lonely place, a quiet place, away from all the distractions, and there I could speak to her. And I told her, I said to Gomer, I have redeemed you and you are mine. You are going to live apart from all this that you have run to. You are not going to be with any man, not even me. But in time, when you are ready, you will again be my wife. And I took time to show her my love. To show her that she could trust me, that she could entrust herself to me. And in the process, I began to taste something of God's love for me. I began to taste something of the joy of having someone that you loved but lost restored to your arms again. And I realized that I was getting a taste. Of what God Himself desired most of all from His people. God was right. It was a wonderful plan. It was a trail of tears to a beautiful place. As God Himself said, the valley of trouble became a doorway of hope. That's Hosea's story. It's a difficult story. I have trouble telling the story. I I have trouble entering the raw emotion that is there. I need to soak in it still. I'm afraid to mess with the raw emotion, the human experience of that story. But the truth is, this story comes closer to many of us than we would want to admit, than we would want to acknowledge But we need to admit it, at least to God. First of all, let's take Gomer. Perhaps you identify with Gomer. Perhaps you would say, yes, I have been unfaithful. You can see that in relationship with God. Perhaps you can see that in relationship to people, people who have trusted you and you've been unfaithful. It may be to your spouse. It may be to your children. It may be to your employer. You know, unfaithfulness And in marriage, a breakdown doesn't just happen just like that. You know what happens oftentimes? There's a busyness. There's a a drifting apart. There are other distractions and attractions. And over time, without intentionality, you wind up, you wake up someplace that you never thought you would be. God's people had gotten careless in the relationship with him, and they had drifted other places. You identify with that story. You've been unfaithful. But you need to know that just like for Gomer, God had said those who had no mercy would have mercy. Those who were not my people will be my people. I will be their God. There is mercy. There is forgiveness. We try to hide from it by pretending it's okay. We try to you know, just ignore it. it. Maybe it'll go away. It, it won't. It's not okay, but come home. Trust yourself to God's love for you. That phrase, not my people, reminds me. Oh, we're all in church, right? Being in church doesn't make you, in God's mind, my people. We're born in a Christian nation, so to speak. It doesn't make us God's people. You see, God doesn't have grandchildren. God doesn't have children that belong to him merely because of a, a secondary relationship. With God, it's each one who is born again because of faith in Jesus Christ for yourself, for forgiveness for your own guilt, your own sin, your own unfaithfulness. Maybe in the story you identify with Hosea. Maybe you identify with having been betrayed, having been hurt, You know, sometimes in the hurt, it's where love shines the brightest. I don't know just what that betrayal might look like, but I can imagine. Again, the places closest to us are the places where it hurts the most. In family, in marriage. Maybe you feel like you, you and your faith and everything you've believed in have been, been betrayed by your own children as they have grown up and gone other directions you want to continue to love, something inside you does, and and yet you don't know how. God calls us to love again, to love still. Now, I'm not suggesting that in in an abusive relationship, you open yourself up again to further abuse. I'm not asking you to put your safety at risk, but I am asking us to put our pride at risk. And often that's in the mix, isn't it? often that's partly where it is. I've been wronged and you will not do that to me again. I have been offended. I don't want to take the chance of being hurt further. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to protect myself from people. I'm going to protect myself, maybe like Hosea wanted to, from God and what he might ask of me, require of me. But You know, what if, what about, if you're Hosea, if you're like that prophet, what about those people who offend? What about those people who have been unfaithful, those people who have been unrighteous? Are they welcome with you? Maybe they didn't offend you directly, but can you embrace them? Are they welcome here? Are they welcome with you? They're welcome with God. They're welcome in His mercy. They're welcome in His forgiveness. We need to receive those whom God receives. We need to receive them not like Hosea who was wronged. We need to receive others like Hosea who was also wrong, at least before God. We need to receive others with the same forgiveness that we ourselves have needed and received from God in Christ. I want this to be a summer of love. I want this to be a summer of love where we soak in the warmth of God's love for us. You know, just like time spent soaking in the sun, what does that do? It changes your appearance. Not so scary looking, not so pasty white, right? I want us to have a a warmer appearance toward those around us. I want them to see something of the time that we have spent in his life. I want them to see in us something of the time that we have spent in God's love. Not just that we would know about it, but as it soaks into our heart, it leaks out of our lives to the people around about us. People that are distant. People that don't think they can come back. People that don't think that you would receive them. They're the ones you can show something of God's love this summer. Would you pray with me? Father, there is more in this prophet than I can tell. Father, there is more here. I have to admit that I want to know. Oh, but God, would you use the circumstances in our lives? Would you use the experiences, even those that hurt, to show us yourself? And Father, would you then strengthen us to be able to come right near to others in the midst of their hurt, in the midst of their wandering, to come near to them, even in the midst of their rebellion and unfaithfulness that, Lord, you might even use us to draw them to you. Lord, use us this summer to show others your love in all of its brightness, in all of its purity, in all of its empathy. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor.